It's the holiday season, and what better time to get gifts than the holiday season? And you know what? I know y'all like gifts, so I got you some gifts to get. A couple of things. First of all, Small Dose is the book, available wherever books are sold. You want to give somebody some inspiration, some laughs, some love? Small Doses is the one. You love this podcast? You love the book? Well, you'll love our Small Doses merch. Go to sfbbookstore.com. That's sfbbookstore.com. And you can get all your Small Doses merch from gem dropping shirts to not today, not the one, mugs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And on top of that, I wanted to give you all some new Smart, Funny, and Black merch. So you can go to sfbbookstore.com as well to get your Smart, Funny, and Black merch because, hey, I know y'all like your fams, woke fam, fly fam, culture fam, rebel fam. So I made shirts to get you to rep your fam, as well as, of course, the classic Smart, Funny, and Black shirt, pouches, all bunch of new stuff, all made for you guys to give great gifts that are personal, that are meaningful, and that are representational of your love for yourself and your people. So make sure you go to SFB, that's B as in bookstore, so sfbbookstore.com, as well as go to your real bookstore and get the book, Small Doses, available now for your holiday time. It's so funky. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Small Doses. It's been a, a long year. A long year. Feels like it's a never-ending year, actually. Um, and I would say that for me... This year has been the first time that I've ever been simultaneously like a person consuming media as well as a person creating media that is being widely consumed. So it's really like shifted and affected and influenced my concept of what influence really is Um, because we are now in a time where we're seeing, because of social media, we're seeing everything with more than our own set of eyes. And I feel like there's just so much more noise um, that is playing a role in how we live our lives on a daily basis. I think it's safe to say that once upon a time, it was like your home, your school life, And maybe like your extracurricular. And if you're religious, you're religion. And now there's this whole other element. uh, And that whole other element is literally just everybody Everybody else. else. It's literally just everybody else. And you might be listening like, what is she on about? Like, what do you mean everybody else? And what I mean is that I think, and you know, this is just theory, but I feel like we are, we are in a time unlike any time before where our accessibility as well as our expectation to give credence to literally everything else that comes in our space is more than it ever has been before, which is influence, you know, which is really discussing how do you as an individual move in a world where you are expected like never before to acknowledge influence um, 
and let it affect you. So what I want to talk about today is what we're influenced by, how we're influenced, ways in which we are utilizing that influence and ways in which we are influencing others. And within that is the concept of just expectations. And are the expectations that are now being kind of thrust upon us, are they in our best interest or not? Side effects of the age of influence. Let's get into it. Jam dropping. Jam dropping. Jam dropping. We're dropping on these hoes. Today's jam dropping is being a pushover versus adaptable. So when we, when we think about a pushover, we think about somebody who basically just kind of lets anything push them in a certain direction. Um, they really don't stand on their ground with any resolve. And they kind of let the greater flood of influence be the direction that they go in. And the thing about being a pushover is that you got to understand that sometimes the flood of influence is not necessarily going in the best direction for you. And all of us have been pushovers in certain scenarios. You might be a pushover by your family. You might be a pushover when you're in a romantic relationship. Your kids might be the ones pushing you over. You might be a pushover on the internets. You know, like everybody likes this movie or everybody likes this TV show or everybody likes this song. And so you feel like, ah, fuck. All right. Well, I guess I got to like it too. And it's not to say that you have to be like, a staunch contrarian. It's not to say that the opposite of a pushover is somebody who is just like, I don't, I don't like, like any, any of that. that. Fuck y'all. Yeah. Sometimes you can just not say anything. You know, sometimes it can be like, oh, well, this is my opinion on this. It's different than yours. That doesn't mean yours is wrong. It just means that it's not the same as mine. But a lot of times we find ourselves being a pushover when we're influenced by something for a reason other than the thing that we're actually talking about. So like, I know that I've absolutely been in a relationship where I have been a pushover in terms of letting things slide or in terms of getting back with the person, not because I think that the person is necessarily sorry for what they did or not because I think that I'm over what they did, but because the greater reason is me wanting to be like in this relationship again, or the greater thing is me missing them. So sometimes like we're a pushover about things that aren't even related to the actual thing that we claim to be being okay with. Sometimes people will be like being a pushover about, um, you know, kind of like supporting something that they don't even necessarily like. And it's not even because they're just like, well, okay, maybe this thing does deserve my support. It might just be because you want to be liked by the people who support it. You know, so you're allowing yourself to be a pushover because of this other ulterior thing. So you got to sometimes think about like, are you being a pushover or are you being adaptable? When you're being adaptable, it just means that maybe new information has been presented to you that has allowed you to open up your perspective. Maybe new um, experiences have happened where you're able to actually change your point of view about how you responded to something. Maybe now you're able to see another side and that makes you feel differently about it. That makes you have a different point of view. I think honestly in this current state where we are so extreme in our responses to things, like you can't just like something, you have to love it or hate it. You know, something can't just be good. It has to be incredible or trash. It also gets affected in how we are influenced by things where like it's just a hyper response. Like you can't simply 
just have changed your mind. It means that you are a switch sider or you're a flip flopper. And I have been the subject of that before where literally like I've been supportive of something or someone and then I got new information and it made me say, you You know know what? what? I I actually changed my mind mind about this. this. And it becomes, you're a flip flopper. And the difference is that if you don't have anything to reference for why you have adapted, then I can see why that may be looking like you're putting pushover. But if you can say like, no, I'm changing my mind because this, 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 this. And you don't even have to say that to other people. You can sometimes just say that to yourself and know in yourself your resolve for why you've done what you've done in terms of adapting or shifting. But the truth of the matter is, is that in this age of influence, um, not to be confused with the age of innocence starring Daniel Day Lewis. um, Rebecca, have you seen the age of innocence? Oh my God. Please add it to the list. It's another 90s film. I get so irritated when Rebecca hasn't seen 90s films because she has the heart of a 90s gal, you know? But. Sorry, I take a sip of the jamba. A sip of the jamba. A sip of the jamba. Actually, side note the composer and writer of the famous. Harry Belafonte song, Deo, Irving Burgi just passed away at 95. So in honor of him, we're going to take a little quick break. Deo. Deo. Daylight, come and me one go home. Come, Mr. Tallyman, tally me banana. Daylight, come and me one go home. Six foot, seven foot. Eight foot bunch, hey! Daylight, come at me, one go home. Six foot, seven foot, eight foot, skirt! Daylight, come at me, one go home. I say, de, misade, 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 oh. Daylight, come at me, one go Now, some of you all know that song because you were influenced by Beetlejuice. And I personally love that scene in Beetlejuice. But listen, listen, the better scene in Beetlejuice is at the end over the credits when they sing, Shake, 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 Sinora, shake your body line. Work, 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 Sinora, work it all the time. Nonetheless, Dale, classic, classic, classic record. Rest in peace to its creator, Irving Burgi. Now, Back to our gem drop. To wrap it up. Also, don't beat yourself up if sometimes you're a pushover. Because sometimes it's like, listen, it's not even that I'm being a pushover. I just don't want the smoke. (laughs) And I think maybe that's the third category of our our gem drop today. There's being a pushover. There's being adaptable. And then there's sometimes just being a bystander who doesn't want the smoke. Sometimes you're just like, you know what? I actually disagree with this, but I can't be bothered. And that's fair, too, because you got to protect your energy. And the reality is, is that in this day, in this age of influence, it seems like everybody is expected to have an opinion, to speak about it, to to be in their own revolution at all times. And it's just not possible. It's not possible. So don't let yourself get pushed over to the point where you no longer know what you're really about. And 
feel free to be adaptable. Some people think I'm not adaptable because I don't listen to their personal response about something. You know, literally, people will come in my DMs and be like, you, you just, just don't, don't agree with anybody. You just only talk to people that you agree with. And it's like, well, first of all, I don't even know who you are. Second of all, you haven't stated a valid counterpoint to undermine the point I was making or to make me want to adapt a new perspective. That doesn't mean that I only want to speak to people who agree with me. It just means that your argument is not a convincing or majorly influential one to make my argument feel like it needs to shift. And lastly, there's just the no smokes. And sometimes you gotta be a, you gotta be a California law and just be like, you know what? There's no smoking here. Sometimes you're just like, I just, I'm, I'm not, I don't want it today. And, and that's, that's okay, okay too. Because at the end of the day, we have to acknowledge that influence is not only very, very, very powerful, but it's also incredibly pervasive, which is what makes it powerful. So you have to be conscious of the fact that right now you live in an era where influence is happening all the time in a direction towards you. And how you interact with that is very important to how you control your own consciousness and your own space. We're serving it. First question. Why do people with zero clout, for lack of a better word, think they have all the clout? Like someone who just got in the business think they have all the space to tell people how to go about getting in the business. Why do we substitute influence with knowledge? Ooh, we just took it to a two-parter. In the sense that someone who has a lot of influence must have a lot of knowledge about a certain topic or line of business. By the way, this same person is the person who asked like six questions on the side effects of the virginity episode. So you officially are just good at asking questions. And so I think you might be... Uh, well, this might be the first time I've ever noticed that it's the same person submitting because, you know, we only put out DMT just whenever we're taping. So there's no rhyme or reason in order. To, and I do that so that nobody can like just always be the person asking the questions so that there's a certain level of spontaneity and just like freedom and fluidity to like who ends up getting their voice heard. But like, man, you done found you done been on the, on, on the thing twice and both times you came with some heat. So kudos to you. Let's get down dirty with these questions. Why do people with zero clout, for lack of a better word, think they have all the clout? So first, let's address that. Because the truth is that we are living in an era where if we're just speaking specifically about like the social media space, like literally just having followers makes you feel like you have clout or just having proximity to someone with clout makes you feel like you have clout. Like people will literally like post like, look who followed me as a representation of like, and therefore I am special. Like sometimes like you put who follows you just because you're like, oh my God, like I really admire this person. It is incredible that this person is interested in even anything enough that I have to say that they're willing to like follow me. So there's that. But sometimes people are putting it because they're literally just like, and now this is proof that I am equal to this person and should be of value. I think that you know, the reality is that, like, no one really, like, the, the whole thing about, like, clout and asking the question, like, why do people with zero clout think they have all the clout? A lot of times it's just straight up narcissism or conceit or delusion. Um, 
And sometimes people feel like just because they've crossed like a hurdle that they are now like on the other side and therefore can speak to those trying to get to where they are. And I think when it boils down to it, it's just like you can get good advice from everywhere. You can get good advice from bad people. You can get good advice from people who haven't even been through what you've been through. Because some people just have more common sense than other people, right? Some people are just gifted at following trends, et cetera. So it's not necessarily about like the clout that I feel like necessarily has to be like the reason why you listen to somebody. But it's really about just like the content of what they're suggesting or saying. Now, I think that someone's clout may affect your willingness to even entertain what they are going to say, you know, which is why you would follow them, et cetera, or why you would, you know, go to their panel um, or why you would experience, you know, buy their book. But I personally feel like certain things are best spoken about when you have not just the wisdom and not just the common sense, but the experience. And I think other things, you don't need all that. Like you may have just done the research and you're speaking about it from that specific point of view. But what you allow to influence you is based on your own standard about who you want to receive things from and who you think should, would be the safest place for you to get insight from. And you got to make those standards and set that value system yourself. This is a great question. Why do we substitute influence with knowledge? Because to be honest, I mean, that is where we're at, right? Like we're in an era where so much of who gets to see things and who gets to get a platform and who gets to be heard is based on how many people are listening to them. And the reason why people are listening to them may have nothing to do with the platform they've been given to speak on. Like people are really like, I feel like there's been like a movement in supporting like this idea of Kim Kardashian as a like advocate for prison reform when for all intents and purposes, like she has not necessarily used her platform to speak about the necessity for prison reform or the ways in which prison reform can practically be applied, et cetera. Um, she has used her platform to put her in spaces to be helpful with those who are doing the work of prison reform. And I think there's something noteworthy in that, but I think that part of the reason why we haven't seen her really speak about prison reform, et cetera, et cetera, is because that's really not what her platform is built on. And I don't think that's necessarily her expertise. So I, I think I'm actually like glad that she's not all of a sudden like, and now me, Kim Kardashian, the expert on prison reform, because it's like, well, just because you have a bajillion followers doesn't mean that you have the knowledge to speak on this, but it does mean that you have a space to put people on the platform that do have that knowledge. Right. right. So, like, I think it's important to notice that. I think that the substitution of influence for knowledge is very, very, very scary. I mean, that's how we have a president who knows nothing about being a president, who knows nothing about the political landscape or how this shit should work, but simply had influence. He literally just had celebrity, and that's how he got the job. And people cared more about that than about whether he had the knowledge or the ability to do the job. They were just more enthralled with his ability to be a celebrity, with his influence. 
And I think that's what scares me so much about celebrity is that celebrity is based on influence that has nothing to do with knowledge. It has nothing to do with intellect and everything to do with simply just visibility. That's it. And you can gain visibility without having any of those things. So it gets very dangerous to me because now it becomes a currency. And the fact of the matter is I hate fame. I loathe it. Like possessing it is what I'm referring to. I don't even, I don't like it on the outside, but I, I don't like being famous. I love the check. You know, the money is great. It allows me to be creatively free. It allows me to help people. It allows me to have a certain peacefulness about not having to worry about that particular part of my life. But the, the part of fame, which is celebrity and people feeling like entitled to your voice, entitled to your space and feeling like if you're not being influential at all times, that you're not being responsible with your celebrity, like that to me is just, it's exhausting. It's frightening. And it's also for what it's worth, like not a valuable part of my artistry. But I come to see that it's a currency and it's become this other form of currency that people use in order to like have, you know, influence. But I feel like knowledge is power and I would I'm much more interested in having knowledge and being able to share it than having influence and being able to grow it. Next question. How did Star Wars influence you and or us? Rebecca just sighed. Because she's never seen Star Wars of any kind and is only now interested because of Baby Yoda, which honestly, like, I feel like there's absolutely going to be a whole, like, spectrum of Star Warsians who actually, like, know what the fuck we're talking about and are actually, like, genuine Star Warsians and not people who just cross over because of some cute shit. Like, if Rebecca looks up and to her right, she will see not one, but two Lando Calrissians, both in a cape, one small, one larger. She will also see the most original famous Mandalorian, the Boba Fett intergalactic bounty hunter, seated. He is seated in front of the Borg Cube, which has nothing to do with Star Wars, but those who know, know. Star Wars has influenced us, um, I think, in that it created a very imaginative space and world that still was rooted in the desire for liberation of all and the necessity for revolution. And the rebel forces and the idea of the force, um, I feel, for those of us who love Star Wars, they embody real-life ideals that we wish were reality. Like, the Force really just speaks to, like, the ability to connect to, like, a spiritual base and an ancestral base and an energy base that exists outside of you but that can be utilized by you if you are connected to it in the right way. And I think a lot of us, especially, like, Rebecca says I'm very woo-woo, but, like, we're woo-woo in that way. Like, we ideally would love to be able to, like, harness energy in a way that can save us, that can help us, that can elevate us, and that, of course, that can raise starships out of the swamps of Dagobah. Now I'm just showing showing off. Um, And the rebel forces, I think, influence us just in this idea that, like, we can all come together of all different race, nations, and creeds to understand, like, the basic bottom line of, like, these folks are dangerous and the devil and we should put all of our energy together on whatever planet we're on to get rid of them. I think there's also something to be said for watching like people who like are dedicating their lives to a cause that 
may or may not affect like their personal life, but can affect like the greater good in general. And the idea of us like trying to do that on an American scale, like seems very small in comparison to the idea of doing that on a literal universal scale, a galactical scale. And that concept um, influences me as someone who loves Star Wars in just being able to escape from like the smallness of this pale blue dot to this bigger place where people are moving within ideals and concepts that still apply to me on my bullshit ass planet Earth where we keep killing everything. We're literally Alderaaning the planet Earth every day, but that's, that's a whole other conversation. conversation. And it's part of the reason why several of my links that I put on my Instagram for uh, on Giving Tuesday were about taking care of animals and conservation. Jedi out. Next question. Does the power of influence come into effect when speaking about men in the black community and their relationships with black women and their friends? I mean, of course, I feel like the power of influence comes into effect whenever you're speaking about anything, which is why it's important to understand who you're speaking to, how you're speaking, and the result that you want. I think people think that I am a negative influence on specifically black women's relationship to black men because of my you know, critical nature of black men's behavior and because of my tone in speaking about these things and, you know, it's directness, it's lack of softness or of protectiveness of ego. And the truth of the matter is, is that I generally just speak from the tone of a gymnastics coach. I mean, that's essentially my my tone, which is, you know, somebody who is watching people striving for perfection um, and knowing that they're going to have to put their entire bodies to the test in order to get there. And so being like soft and soothing isn't necessarily always the best uh, course of action when you know that you got to put your body through rigorous trials in order to achieve. And I think there's a time and a place. So I think that, you know, sometimes it's time to be soft and sometimes it's time to be, you know, um, soothing. And sometimes it's time to be uh, logical, like in speaking to people and like, okay, this is the two plus two of this. And sometimes it's time to be fucking pushy, you know, and sometimes it's time to be angry. I mean, all these things. But when it comes to like your specific question about do I think the power of influence can come into effect? I think that I hope that the power of influence can affect black men in their community and their relationships with black women. Absolutely. Which is why I speak about it so often, which is why I think it's so important that specifically black men speak to other black men about these things, you know, because influence um, and manipulation are two different things. And also like, People will say, like, you know, you can't make somebody do something, which is true. You cannot, but you can influence them. And influence is basically mentally suggesting someone go into a particular direction. And there are people who are affected by that in more ways than others. Some people are very easily influenced. Others are not for different reasons. You know, I would say that black men in this society are not particularly easily influenced by by that conversation because it one hasn't even really been an important part of the conversation and two because they come from a line of not even getting the power of choice of influence but of being forced so when you come from a community where you've consistently had choices made for you where influence wasn't even a part of the conversation because you were simply like enslaved or forced to go along with things i think that you by nature create a culture of obstinance so we have to like undo that 
You know, and I feel like the safest way, the best way to undo that is by having conversation with folks that you feel most trusting of, which is usually the people that look most like you and the people that have shared the most um, experiences with you and that may have the most um, understanding of like your point of view. And unfortunately, not enough brothers, I feel like, look to black women in that way. There's still like a chasm between us being able to look at each other as having that same experience or as having an understanding of the experience in order to trust each other enough to let influence affect us. So I hope so, but there's a lot of work to be done. Next question. How do you power through and block out the voices that tell you you can't reach your fullest potential because you're not good enough? Because those voices are highly influencing my state of mind right now and are making me doubt myself. Ooh, child, the noise, noise. Listen, those voices are really powerful. And I think one of the first ways that you can power through and block out those voices is to figure out what's even the catalyst for those voices. For some of us, the catalyst for those voices is seeing so many other people's process in front of us, you know? So like being on Instagram and being on Twitter and Facebook and like seeing like what other people are achieving and other people's um, success and their highlight reel can inadvertently affect like your own feeling of what you can accomplish. And it's not about jealousy or envy as much as it's just this like idea of like, damn, look at all these mountains I got to climb. Like, and so you really can mess up like your own path because you're looking at everybody else's paths. I know sometimes people will say like, right, it's exactly why you got to put your blinders on. And sometimes people are telling you that because they're saying like, you got to put your blinders on because you can't focus on someone else's journey. And there's truth to that. But you also got to put your blinders on because you start looking at all these other journeys and start somehow making them your journey. It's like, no, you only have your journey to do. And you don't want to take on the weight of all these other journeys. So I think some other reasons why you have those voices are, you know, because of like past failures, right? Like you may have like residual guilt about like things that you tried to achieve in the past that you weren't able to see through. And then that ends up carrying over to like this next venture that you're trying to do. And just like, well, you know, that that little voice in the back of your head that's like, well, it didn't work before. So why would it work now? And the reality is like anytime you have those voices the best way to me to silence them is to come from a place of logic. And we talk about this in the past because I always feel like confidence comes from what you know. And logic is, is, is how you get to what you know. You know, and, and when I when I talk to my therapist, like a lot of times, like when I'm going through a depression or I'm going through these doubtful phases myself, she always like reminds me, like, you gotta remind yourself of the facts. And I talk about this in my book, Small Doses, Potent Juice for Everyday Use, now available in stores, um, of what that means for like building your confidence. And like your confidence has to come from taking account of the things that you are 100% sure of. You are sure of the fact that you may have failed in the past, but that has nothing to do with the present as long as you have taken account of the reasons why you failed in the past and made adjustments for the future and for the present. Now, if you're doing the same thing in the past and the present, then, then you're, you're probably, probably going to fuck, fuck up again. again. That's a fact. But there's no reason why, if you have done the due diligence and taken stock, that you should like consider that the past is the present. You know that 
if you've done research, you've done research. That's another like fact that you can stand on. Like I've done this research and I'm not coming from a place of ignorance. So I know a little something about what I'm doing. You also know that you simply just have a desire to do what you're doing. You have something within you that is pushing you to do it. There's a passion there that's, that's exciting you to do it. So therefore, you know that you're coming from a genuine place. These are things that you have to get to the bottom of. And these are things that can help be a solid foundation for you to stand on and to basically stick to your guns when it feels like internally these other guns are coming at you. You don't want to have to fight those people. There's enough outside people that you're going to feel like you have to fight than have to fight yourself. And inside of your mind is the hardest place. I feel like that's where the worst wars happen inside your mind. You're your biggest enemy. And the way to disarm you is to remind you of that which you know. Last question. As someone who is gifted with influence, how can you manage those who consistently look to you as someone who is a cornerstone in the social community? This is my struggle and my blessing. I want to help and I know people listen to my words and actions, but there's sometimes no room for mistakes. Oh man, girl, or even a break for me to go through quote unquote life and its topsy-turviness. It's almost as if I need to always have the answers, <laughs> unlike Sway. How, Sway? How? How do I navigate this space in order to help as many people as I can without losing my sanity? I mean, this is something that I've definitely been going through myself this year and really trying to figure out the answer to. And I, I will be perfectly honest with you. I, I don't have a concrete answer for it because I'm in process. I think part of it for me has been trying to establish a certain level of boundaries um, and, and making sure that I'm not expected to be present at all times in all ways. And part of that is the, the basicness of like deciding like, okay, maybe I need to only make videos on these days. And I know that may sound silly. Like, I mean, both Rebecca and Brendan chuckled, but it's like, it can be just that basic. It's like, maybe you only avail yourself on these days. You know, maybe you only avail yourself at these times. You know, maybe you only avail yourself about speaking about these things. And I think part of that has been very helpful for me at first at just starting, like, maybe I only speak about these things. Because... I know that there's definitely like this expectation for me that I'm supposed to speak about everything at all times, everywhere. And I've had to make it okay for me to not. Because I definitely at a certain point was feeling compelled to like have to. And that when people would press me about it, I'd be like, shit, I guess, you know, my, I stepped into this Instagram space. It's kind of par for the course. And it's, you know, the necessity of, you know, what it is. It's the gift and the curse or whatever. But then I just had to decide like, no, like this I stepped into this Instagram space, but my space within this space is still my space. Hey, Tom. So I get to determine how I exist within it. I get to determine how I interact within it, which is why when people will say things like, oh, like you're turning off your comments because you're throwing rocks and hiding your hands. It's like, first of all, I don't turn off my comments. So let's start with that. Anytime I have ever like turned off my comments is because the comment space became so acrimonious towards each other that it was like, this isn't good for anybody. You know, there, there was a recent whole situation with this Rodney Reed thing where people were saying that I had turned off my comments when my comments have been set for the past two years to, you can only comment if you follow me. And that weeds out so many like right-wing, alt-right people and racists and, you know, people who are just coming just to be trolls. And it really is just me conserving my space. But people really feel like, 
How dare you conserve your space? How dare you speak without allowing any and everybody to speak back at you? That is really what the thought process is on Instagram. And I just don't feel like that's necessary. I don't feel like that is part and parcel with being someone of influence. I don't think that you being an open wound and open season for firing squad is the exchange that you have to do to be fair. I think that the other part of boundaries, though, um, in managing this whole like being an influencer in this space is knowing like your limitations and sometimes like for instance like people ask me for advice all the time and I don't do it anymore I had to like cut that because I didn't I'm not a therapist and I am I'm not like licensed to be telling people how to handle certain things in their lives and Sometimes by simply just being someone who has common sense or someone who is genuine and people being able to recognize like, oh, this is someone who has good intentions and who comes from a pure place. You, by nature, garner people wanting to like get your insight on things to make them come to a a better place and a good place. But I feel like that gets very dangerous, especially like on somewhere that's like just text based. You know, and it gets dangerous for the person. It gets dangerous for me because I'm also just like expelling, expelling, expelling. And you deplete. You know, you become a resource and people stop looking at you as a person. And considering the way that we treat our resources on earth, like replenishment is not a part of our culture. So if we're not even doing that with our like literal like fossil fuels and the things that we need to live, imagine with humans It's just not a part of our culture to replenish the humans that we are depleting from. And I wish it were more. And I really try my best to not um, continue that practice. But I am a product of this culture as well. So I don't necessarily win at that at all times either. But I think the biggest thing you talked about for me was just this idea that you can never be wrong. If you're in this place of influence, you can never be wrong. You can never make an error. Because if you make that error, people look at it like you're being irresponsible. And I think that what we have to really understand is there's a difference between making a mistake and a lie. And a lot of times people feel like if someone of influence gets an error, makes an error in their information that they're presenting, that they're lying. And I think we need to really get to the bottom of that because, you know, a mistake is a flub in presentation of information. A lie is a conscious spread of misinformation. And it feels like when you are in a place of influence that any error that you make is an attempt to mal-influence other people. And, you know, I think that it's really important um, to allow people to like be able to make mistakes and also to be able to correct them and say, like, this is an error. But I think the other part is that people expect you to apologize for a mistake all the time and I think like we've gotten into this place now where people expect like anyone in influence owes the people an apology for an error you owe the people an explanation you owe the people you know and it's like not all situations are created equal not all mistakes are created equal and not all mistakes are lies and all of these things are nuanced They're nuanced. So I think this conversation also speaks to all of us who are looking at people of influence and how we look to them. Because I've been speaking from the point of view as someone of influence, but there are people who influence me. There are people who I absolutely look to for insight and for suggestions. And 
there's a certain level of grace that you got to give to the fact that they're people. Look at our parents. You grow up and realize like, fuck, my parents were people the whole goddamn time. Shit. So I guess I got to give a certain level of grace to the fact that they didn't necessarily know what the fuck they were doing either, you know? Now, if you're like me and then you try to give your father that grace and then he calls you back three days later and says, I really was upset that you called me an asshole. You're like, ah, there you are. You're still an asshole. Great. Okay. But I tried to give you grace about the fact that you had been an asshole in the past, but it seems like you're still an asshole. So I've done my job. But influence is powerful, man. And these days more than ever, I feel like because we're in this open field where anyone can get to you and anyone can receive what you're saying, you do have to have a certain level of consciousness about what you're putting out there. I've made mistakes. I've absolutely made mistakes. Um, This year has been a wild year for me because my influence grew exponentially in ways that I was honestly not able to keep up with. And there were like absolutely situations that like I completely just kind of misread how they would be received based on my failure to understand my influence. And I am still in process of really understanding that and the way that it carries and the awareness that I have to have about things that I never even considered. Um, So it's a constant growth. I mean, I'm in constant growth right now. On top of that, it's the end of a decade. So like we're just in a space of transition in general right now. I literally didn't even realize that. It's the end of a fucking decade. And I don't know why it seems less um, top of mind than it has ever before for me. Like the 80s and the 90s were so drastically different, right? The 90s and the 2000s were so drastically different, especially like 99 because that was the end of a century. And I think my theory on that is because of technology and the pace that technology is changing. But I also think it's because of the noise. And it's because like we just have so much just over sensory overload at all times that we can't even realize that something basic as like it's It's about about to be 2020. 2020. How is style going to change? Is anyone going to come up with something new? Because I'd really like to start wearing Star Trek space suits. Wait, that is fucking weird, Rebecca. We are about to live in the 20s again. Because we've been in the turn of the century. We've been in the turn of the century this whole time. And your friend was right, we are in the roaring 20s again. I hope they roar because they've been a real fucking bitch for the last turn of the century. Our last roaring 20s was this like weird space between the end of slavery and then Jim Crow. So it was this honestly like, you know, from a black perspective, it was this weird era where like white people were trying to figure out like, what do we do with these free blacks? And like, if you were in Harlem, it was like, we party with them and then we leave. Um, If you're in the South, you're like, we share crop and still find ways to put them in chain gangs, etc. But it was the birth time of jazz. So we got to give credence to that. But Jesus, we're in the 20s. The Tulsa riots. 1921. As if I don't have enough on my mind right now. Now you've thrown this in. We talked about the emperor's new clothes, which we'll get into shortly. I'm having an existential crisis. It's been going on for three months. I see no end in sight. And I don't know what to do. It's just, I feel like I'm in purgatory. Let's just keep going with the show. (laughs) 
We're not going to have a people I like this time. Because I don't, I mean, I feel like I'm in purgatory because I feel over-influenced. Like, that's really where I feel like. I feel like I'm over-influenced. I know some people are listening like, what the fuck is she going on about? But it's like, I am in this weird space from being somebody who was a fan and who's been a supporter and who's been a consumer to now being on the other side of that where I'm like, in terms of percentage, like, where I'm more the creator and more the marketer and more the vendor. And so I'm like moving between dimensions right now. That's what it feels like. I feel like fucking Matthew McConaughey in Interstellar and I'm moving between dimensions, which I don't know if you remember, but it's painful and confusing. And that's where I'm at. And I have like all this influence. Like I have influence in front of me and influence behind me and influence around me. And I'm trying to parse through what to listen to. And I'm trying to also be responsible about my influence that I'm putting out behind me, around me, and in front of me. And the ways in which that affects like how I land in this other space and the ways in which it affects like those who are still in this previous space that I was in. And I don't know if you, if you, if you all are following, but I'm confusing myself talking about this. So imagine like me living in that confusion. That's where I'm at. And it's like, the reason why influence becomes such an important part of this conversation is because your taste is changing when you do this. When these things happen, when you go through these transitions, your taste changes. And so I always talk about the great video that Ira Glass has where he's, where this great talk that Ira Glass has about taste and it changing. And it's just a very like discombobulated time. And it requires you to be so patient with yourself. And it requires you to be so understanding with yourself because there's no timing of it. Like it just, it's just what it is. Like there's no, there's no like concrete beginning and end. It's just that you start into the phase and then the phase is over. And you try your best to be as like conscious and aware during that time frame because it's process and process is like the most integral part to the elevation of your style. So like I know right now that I'm in process to getting to like a greater space of taste. But part of that is this like weird purgatory where I look around and I feel like a lot of influence is not coming from necessarily the same place that I derive the influence I give from. I try to give influence from a place of quality and excellence, from a place of ethics, from a place of objectivity. And I feel like so much of the influence that I feel inundated with right now is coming from a place of politics and coming from a place of popularity, coming from a place of groupthink, um, which is less about like having your individual thoughts, but more about like wanting to just be a part of the group like flux moving in a direction so that you don't feel left out and so sometimes it's very lonely in that space because when you know that you give influence from a different place and you're receiving it it not only makes you feel lonely in the fact that like damn am I the only one operating this way but also makes you feel lonely in the fact that like am I the only one who thinks this about this because it seems like everybody else thinks that about this and if I don't think that about this does that mean that I'm off does that mean that I'm like fucked up does that mean that I'm disconnected even more frustrating is that feeling of feeling disconnected I know for me that feels like the most because I feel so rooted I feel so connected so often and I feel like that's like a key component to how I create how I move so to feel that disconnection makes me feel like I'm a feather in the wind of the credits of Forrest Gump and even in my own books, Maldosa is like, I got to read my own book to try and get back to this place of solidity and this foundation because it's just a yucky place. And a lot of it, I, I know like I felt this way like during my Saturn returns. 
a lot of these feelings happen during my Saturn returns, like 28 to 30. And I guess I'm 38 to 40 right now, which is not a Saturn return because that's every 30 years. But it's definitely a transition. And maybe I feel this way because I'm so connected to the earth and the universe. And we are going through a big change in the decade changing. And they say that like just in the woo of it all and the greater like um, astrological space of things, like we are in like a really big like world change. So maybe that's it. But I say all that to say that like you're not alone if you feel like influence is overwhelming right now in whatever way you uniquely feel it. I was speaking about a person I like who is myself and the way that I'm feeling it, um, which is really also a that, that one time. Because <laughs> that's what we're doing right now, that one time. Because I skipped over people I like because really what I like right now is people who are very responsible with their influence. And people who are conscious of the fact that as an influence and as an influencer, you're also a human. Um, you know, which is why I think people do appreciate that, like, I don't do my hair necessarily if I'm doing a video. Like, that I'm not always put together and quaffed and perfect. Um, but this, even this whole idea of influencer is a weird shit to me. Because you can be an influencer without having done anything to gain the power of influence. Like, anything of, like, tangibleness. You can be an influencer simply by just being, it's just being popular. That's what an influencer is in many cases. Like somebody who's just got the popular, you're just cool. You're just like totally cool. And what that really means is you're just really good at marketing. You're really good at marketing you. I spent a lot of time being frustrated that people who I saw who were not necessarily talented at a skill or a craft, but they were talented at marketing. And so I would be so frustrated because I'd be like, they're able to gain influence over people by simply just the fact that they're so good at influencing people. <laughs> like, I know, like, I'm really good at painting. I'm good at, like, art. I'm good at creating art. But I, it took a long time for me to understand how to, like, quantify that art into influence. Because I was just doing the shit because I like doing it. But really what Mad Men is about and what advertising and marketing is about is about like how you use people's minds and, and affect them to want to buy something. And as an artist, it's really about like how do you affect people with your art in a way that makes them care about the thing that you cared about to make this art. And that can get really trippy when commerce comes into play. under the influence we're in the age of influence right now where influence is now a currency in a different way than it ever has been before where people's ability to make you think a certain way is how they get paid and that used to just be for a brand but now like literally like a human is a brand because they're available because they're able to make you want to buy another brand so that's influencing you know like now we live in a world where on social media, you are inundated all day, every day with people's thoughts and perspectives. And there's no way that that doesn't influence your own thoughts and perspectives. It's important now more than ever that you create a solid base of what your thoughts and perspectives are. That you are rooted, that you create your own value system, your own ethos, that you create your own culture of you that you live by so that when you are inundated with these other influences, you have a strong enough filter of what you want to take in and let out and let go so that you're not 
being moved along by forces that you can't fully be sure are for your best interest. And that's really the hardest part of like managing influence. It's trying to figure out like, is this in my best interest? Are these people influencing me speaking to my best interest? And then, you know, in relationships, that's the toughest part is like, is this person really like caring about my best interests or only their own best interests or in the best case scenario, are they thinking about our best interest? You know, in a work setting, the influences can come from so many forces as a creative, like you are constantly being compelled by other people to care about the market and being influenced to create based on the market. Well, people people like like this right right now, now, so you should should create create something something like like this. And it is one of the hardest things ever to not let that affect what you genuinely are connected to feeling like you need to create. And sometimes you have to split the difference. Sometimes it's, you got to make the shit for, the, for what the market is doing at the same time that you're cultivating the shit that speaks to you. There's friendships, there's family, but I speak so much to the power of you and where you create from and where you make decisions from and where you make choice from. And all of that is really based on you having a self-awareness about what works for you and what builds you up and what takes you down. And that means that you got to take the time to have those conversations with yourself and have the courage to have those conversations with yourself so that when something comes along that influences you poorly, you have the strength and the backbone to be able to say, I don't want that. That's not good for me. And the resolve to say, I no longer want to have that in my space of influence. And that can be very hard to do. Because when there's love involved or there's money involved or there's guilt involved, it can be very hard to do. But you got to do it. Because my whole goal is for us to make ourselves better people so we can make better communities, so we can make a better world. That's my trickle down theory. And I think we become better people when we become better connected to ourselves and the goodness that we need to be our best selves. So fuck anybody who's saying I'm a narcissist because I'm not. Bye. By the way, I just realized next episode, side effects of necessary narcissism. We've done side effects of narcissists. I want to talk about side effects of necessary narcissism. Rebecca's face. The reason why is because I think that we learn a word and then everyone runs with that word and doesn't apply nuance to that word. And then it becomes about a fear tactic and then it becomes an issue. You know what? Just a side note, that comment that I just made is so rooted in influence because people have now, you know, the word narcissist is now being used so freely by people who don't necessarily even know what the word fully means. And by people who are not acknowledging the nuance of the fact that you can have certain levels of necessary narcissism without being considered a full on like <laughs> um, malignant narcissist that. Now, like, I'm starting to, like, fear. Like, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that. And it's simply by nature of just influence and, like, the noise making its way into my head. And I've had to genuinely, like, go back to the same things that I've talked about in this episode, which is the facts and the realities of, like, no. You know you're not a narcissist because of these things. You know that these are certain levels of necessary narcissism that you have because you are a creative and you know that there are things that you want to work on always to make sure that you're being your best self. But I just wanted to share with you this because it was a last thought and it's like, 
I <laughs> am 1000% affected and influenced by the shit that gets said about me. And I have to work every fucking day to not let it take me off my course because it gets louder and louder and louder and louder the more visible you become. But the truth of the matter is, is that I'm a human. And so what people sometimes think is narcissism is me just having to make a point of creating a boundary to drown out shit so that I can keep moving forward in the purpose I was put here for. Star Avenue, a, podca <clears throat> a podcast network.